Welcome to the Marvelicious Toys Podcast, hosted by the Astonishing Arnie, the Mighty Marjorie, and Captain Justin. Nah, just Justin. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more, because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. Join us at MarveliciousToys.com to find thousands of pictures of the items reviewed, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages, and much more. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious! Hello and welcome to Marvelicious Toys, this is Marjorie. This is Arnie. And this is Justin. So how are you? Still here. Still living. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> Man, where have we been? In the vortex of like semi-post-COVID, sort of work from home, masks optional, recording optional kind of life. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Things are starting to feel real again. San Diego Comic-Con is coming up. We're having in-person conventions again. Pre-orders are happening. Movies are opening. The time of shirking Marvelicious Toys responsibilities has to come to an end. Eventually, you must stop wearing the blue jean cutoffs and put on slacks and go back to work. And so it's time for the Marvelicious crew to go back to work. Hey, I, I said I was on board with coming back to work, but we didn't talk about taking off the cutoff jean shorts, so... <laughs> <laughs> that might be a deal breaker all i imagine when he says cut off jean shorts i always go back to tobias funky <laughs> and his never nude outfit that's all i can think of <laughs> i want you to take a tape recorder and just record yourself for a whole day i think it might do you some good <laughs> so what have you been buying justin i mean just because we haven't had a chance to record doesn't mean i'm sure your collecting has slowed down Oh, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, recently things are starting to hit again, but there for a while it felt like we were eternally in a world of Eternals sitting on the shelves. <laughs> oh, we still are, aren't we? <sighs> yes, we just did a toy run last weekend, and all I could find were Eternals figures, and a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Well, they had a little bit of a weird journey, because one thing I noticed was target started getting solid cases of figures rather than solid waves so you'd walk into one target and they would have eight of the same figure and that was it going to another target they have eight of a different one so eventually i think they got all of the figures at every store and they just backed up at a lot of targets i went to i saw them pretty early on move out of the toy aisle and onto like the clearance section but not go on to clearance so they just kind of sat there for a while, but now they finally have clearanced out, and so they're starting to move. Yeah, Walmart, Target, everywhere we go, all I see staring at me is Gilgamesh and Sprite. I'm sorry, Sprite is the worst character in all of Eternals. That is just a terrible character. <laughs> you know, not to be negative, but that's the first Marvel movie I didn't like. Hmm, I, I won't say that I didn't like it. It just didn't grab me. So it's not something that I feel like I need to watch again and again, which I think is how I judge Marvel movies. If I watch a Marvel movie and I get out of it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see that again. That's a success. And this one, I was like, okay, it's over. Yeah, I, I think I had a little bit of Anway after 
Eternals. And if it wasn't for No Way Home, and it just occurred to me, we've still never talked about No Way Home, but No Way Home is a movie I watch again and again. I've watched it like four times in theaters. I've watched it repeatedly on digital. I didn't even wait for Blu-ray. Of course, I bought the Steelbook and the Target exclusive and all of those that all come with digital codes, but I couldn't even wait that two weeks. I picked it up on digital so I could watch it and start watching all the bonus features and things. Yeah, that was... That was a great movie. And yeah, we we weren't we weren't around talking about it beforehand with all the hype and all that stuff, but like I want to say that they did a pretty good job of keeping that secret. Like even when I sat down in that theater, I had suspicions that we were going to see some of the old Spider-Man, but I wasn't sure. And that's that makes for a great non-spoiler experience. There were so many leaks and poor Andrew Garfield forced to lie <laughs> and lie and lie. <laughs> poor Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I mean, there, he, there's probably, like, I, I've seen compilations of, like, 20 interviews where he's like, nope, I'm not in it. And there were the set photo leaks and the photos of Tobey Maguire being moved around, like, shuttled to and from. And yet, I still had my doubts. It's not in any of the trailers or anything. It wasn't until Andrew Garfield walked on screen. And, man, the crowd, you see the online videos of the reactions and things, but our crowd was so... So loud when they showed up. I could barely hear the dialogue for some of those scenes. It was it was everything. It really it like 20 years of Spider-Man movies all coming together in a nice tidy bow. And you can hear the review on now playing, but it got me in all the feels. Yeah. And like you said, when when Andrew walked on screen, even part of me was still like, okay, well, maybe they just got Andrew. You know, maybe he's the only other Spider-Man in this. I was I was still not sure if we were going to see Toby. And if you do listen to that review at NowPlayingPodcast.com, Stuart was like, okay, Toby showed up, but he showed up dressed like a youth pastor. Is he going to suit up? Or is he not deigning to put on the spandex? Is he just going to stand around in that outfit? And eventually he kind of pulls down the shirt and admits, okay, yeah, I got a Spider-Man suit under here. I'm going to be putting that on too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to, not to do a full review here or anything, but yeah, I'm I'm super happy with it too. It's it's like you said, it's I, I can't think of any other time in movie history where it felt like where that franchise was going in the real world, knowing it's like oh they're gonna lose the rights, so they got to throw something else out there. There was the original Raimi Part Four that was supposed to happen that got scrapped, so that's when they brought Andrew Garfield in. Knowing all that, it was just kind of felt disparate and thrown out after a while, and to come in years later and tie it all together like this makes all those other movies feel more substantial in, in retroview. Totally. And it made me appreciate Andrew Garfield all the much more, because when you see him next to the other Spider-Men, you see he had his own visual dialogue. Like, when you see the other ones shooting webs, they're kind of doing the comic thing. Andrew Garfield did his own, like, punching thing, and his whole body language had to differentiate from Toby, and I'm sure as an actor, that was all very conscious to him. You know, these actors, they take mime classes and singing classes and all these classes, and I'm sure that there was a lot of work that went into the non-verbal dialogue that is Spider-Man for Andrew Garfield, and it made me appreciate him so much more just seeing that. Well, I hated Andrew Garfield in his Spider-Man movies. I thought he was terrible. I didn't think he was a good Peter Parker, and I didn't think he was a good Spider-Man. And then, like, I feel like 
2022 and 2021 are like the years of Andrew Garfield because he did the Eyes of Tammy Faye and he was so effing good as Jim Baker that he, I mean, he was unrecognizable. He had the Southern drawl down that Jim Baker had. He was just phenomenal. And then he came in Spider-Man. I thought he was fantastic. And I don't know what happened to make Andrew Garfield such a good actor all of a sudden, but he really deserved an award for the eyes of Tammy Faye and maybe even Spider-Man. And he was nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom. I really do think he should have won, not only because he didn't slap Chris Rock, but because (laughs) he just had, you know, remember when VH1 was like, you had the best year ever. I think that was Andrew Garfield last year. And so he deserved like a award just for the cumulative body of work that was Andrew Garfield. For sure. For sure. And also to have the cojones to come back and play like Marjorie, like you said, I think a lot of people felt like he was the worst Spider-Man at the time and they were hating Mm -hmm. on those movies for him to step into this with confidence had to be a bit of a tough decision for him. It's like, hey, they hated me just two years ago. Why would I do this? You mentioned, though, Justin, about not having the spoilers. And yeah, looking back, it's like you couldn't have brought in Green Goblin and Doc Ock and all of that and not intended to bring back the Spider-Men. And from what I understood was they were going to reveal all three Spider-Men in the second trailer and things were tracking so good. They're like, we don't have to. We can actually hold this back for the movie. But what I feel has shifted the entire opposite direction is Doctor Strange, which is opening in a couple of days. And I walk into that film and the latest TV spots, and I'm not going to say what they are in case anybody hasn't seen them, but man, did they release way too much. Like, I saw somebody on YouTube had posted a video and I'm like, well, that looked real, but no, that's not real. (laughs) Somebody did, like, the world's best deep fake with props and everything. Somehow, (laughs) they put this all in there. And then I, the next day, I see it's posted to Marvel.com's YouTube channel. I'm like, why, why would you do that? Why would you spoil that? And then they posted another one that spoiled much more. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah, especially considering who would care to have that spoiled or the exact people who don't want to know that. Like the people that they're trying to get excited to come see this movie are the people that aren't that into these movies. And this information isn't going to help them. So they're just ruining it for everybody for no reason. So Arnie and I were talking about this yesterday where I think that perhaps the trailer maybe wasn't hitting the metrics that they wanted it to as far as internet buzz, you know, hits, views, that kind of thing. And so they had to bring something else out in order to get what they're missing as far as the audience. And they brought the things into the trailers that were for the new fans of Marvel. Like people that maybe caught on at the tail end of the Infinity Saga. Because I think Infinity War was a game changer for a lot of people that are new to the Marvel area. And... You know, they put in, I'm not going to say what it is, but that's something very much that the new fans like. And I think that was put in there to draw them in because they weren't seeing that representation or they just weren't getting good metrics. It's hard to say. And I mean, we're also in uncharted territory here with a big summer opening movie and also being this far into Disney Plus MCU material. You know, last time we had a big release movie, there was a couple shows out, but we knew that they weren't necessarily tying in. Now people are wondering, do I need to watch WandaVision before I come see this movie? Do I need to be up to date on Moon Knight? Do I need to be up to date on any of these other shows before seeing this movie? And to the average fan, I feel like that's got to be super confusing. Yeah, it's in the trailer. Things just got out of hand. 
And it's kind of how I feel about the upcoming Obi-Wan show, not to go off on too big a tangent, but it kind of bums me out that you got Ewan McGregor back and Hayden Christensen back. And it seems to be tying so closely into that Rebels cartoon that I tried watching and didn't like. And so I was hoping for like episode 3.1 and instead it looks like Rebels the live action movie. And so now I feel that Marvel is starting to go in that direction as well where it's all connected. It all matters. And I'm not going to say exactly what I mean on this show, probably the next podcast we do, but it is more than I expected. But of course I keep up. I watched everything on Disney+. Plus. I'm a bit behind on Mood Night just because of timing, but I'll be catching up to that for the finale. Yeah, I mean, just real quick on Moon Knight. That was a show that grabbed me initially with the first episode, and then two or three episodes in, I, I wouldn't say I lost interest, but it was starting to lose me on the backswing. But then in the middle of the season, and where we are currently, which is episode five, it really pulled me back in. So that's all I'll say about that. I mean, with Doctor Strange, I was feeling the hype, at least from like an action figure realm because that's what was popping up on store shelves you know like a month ago the new waves out there and i'm like oh we finally got wong and we got a cool spectral doctor strange and this build of figures awesome got super hyped about that movie and then last week thor love and thunder comes in and takes all that hype away and now i'm more hyped about <laughs> thor than i am about the movie coming out next week the thor trailer one certain part of it, it's probably like 10 seconds long, has me in hysterics. I know it's been made into a bunch of memes, but when he's leaning over and looking around Star-Lord, that is so funny. I think Hemsworth was made for comedy. <laughs> the one thing I'll say, though, is with Doctor Strange, is one of my sub-collections is theater tie-in memorabilia. I even have the Morbius 44-ounce drink cup that I <laughs> at the theater. I just found out that at AMC, starting on the 5th, if you go to see Doctor Strange, they've got a popcorn box that is like the box from No Way Home. It's got Doctor Strange symbols, and it's this translucent box that, it looks like it has a small opening on top, so like it would be really hard to get the popcorn out of the corners, but I always get those things and say, yeah, I'd, no popcorn, please, just the box, <laughs> but... That seems like a really kind of cool collectible if you're going to AMC or if you're like me going to eBay. Nice. I'll have to keep an eye out for that, but that's my home theater is AMC, so I'll have to keep an eye out for that. But I, I am I am geeked up for this movie. I'm just saying, from a toy perspective, it kind of got leapfrogged by the new exciting figures that showed up this week. Yeah, well, how could the Wong figure from the Doctor Strange wave not come with Tide Pod accessories? Because <laughs> the number of Tide Pod ads starring Wong that have been airing on TV. I've seen more Tide Pod ads than I've seen movie ads. <laughs> it's ramping up. Even even Chev, she asked me, she's like, oh, that's coming out soon. And she's she liked the first one. She actually is a fan of, of Doctor Strange. She likes him in all the other movies and stuff, so she's excited to see this. And she was wondering what she needs to be caught up on. You know, she's like, should we watch Spider-Man again? I'm like, well, I don't think that there's gonna be too much time between the Spider-Man thing and this, but... You might want to watch WandaVision. Anybody who says, do you want to watch Spider-Man No Way Home again? The answer is yes. Yeah. It's like if somebody asks if you're a god. If somebody asks if you want to watch No Way Home, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Marjorie, you're in the other direction. You're not a Cumberbatch fan, right? No, I'm just not a big Cumberbatch fan. I think he looks like a potato. I find him kind of, uh, what word would I call him? I don't know. He's just very arrogant. 
as a person. And I don't like Doctor Strange all that much. He is better as part of an ensemble, but I don't think he's good on a standalone. And I think that's why I don't like his movies. I think he needs other people to support him in a scene because he can't carry the scenes all by himself. I feel that, but that's also kind of why I'm excited about this movie because we're beyond his origin movie and we've had him in two, three, four other movies already now. So this is just going to be, you know, this is going to be one of those ensemble movies too. I think there's going to be just as much Wanda in this as, as Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think so too. I did see a joke going around of like, yes, I'd like one ticket for Scarlet Witch in the Multiverse of Madness, please. <laughs> Although, God, they've got America, Chavez in there, and it looks like other characters, so there's going to be something to latch on to, I think, for everybody. I think that's, you know, Marvel's strategy. Mm-hmm. But you talked Thor, Love and Thunder, the trailer came out, the figures came out, no pre-order, just order. Like, because the studios dictate Hasbro's release, I'm sure Hasbro would have told us about these figures in November and had a pre-order up back then if they could have. But no, it was like, hey, it's Thursday. The Thor Love and Thunder figures are on pegs. Technically, it was Tuesday, I guess. And we knew they were coming. There'd been a lot of Walmarts letting them leak out and put on pegs a few days early. We did a toy run for them. No joy. But then I think Marjorie kind of got mad when I had him in hand two days later because Amazon was shipping next day for free. We spent six <laughs> hours going to all these different Walmarts now because we can. And all I saw was Eternals figures. And Walmart's not like Target, where if you go into a Walmart, you're not going to walk out buying other stuff. So it was frustrating. And then the, they were coming out the next day. So, hey, it worked <laughs> out, I guess. <laughs> but I want to point out, though, that if these figures were up for pre-order right now, instead of just a drop, there would have been lots of complaints because one of the big complaints they've got right now is that the pre-orders keep getting delayed and delayed and delayed. The figures are going to be out before the movie's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got the whole wave in hand. Yeah, I, I do too. They'll, well, actually, they'll be here tomorrow. But yeah, this is one of those weird instances where, I mean, I think we knew that there would be figures for this movie, but they were never previewed by Hasbro. And then they just showed up at Walmart. And for like two or three days, people were able to buy them if they found them. And then something happened and they got register locked. So even if you found them, you weren't able to check out with them. So I think that created a little bit of a craze amongst the community and kind of got these figures even more hyped up than, than a normal wave. Interesting, yeah, because I think it did get people hyped up to go on toy runs for the Thor figures. Hmm, yeah. I do like the wave. I've heard some grumblings that the Build-A-Figure is Korg and just kind of a redeco of Korg. I'm happy to have Korg in a different outfit. I only have the one. Yeah, I'm happy with it too. My only complaint is, is I, I think we need a Meek at some point. You know, and if like, yes. <laughs> if we keep getting Korg without Meek, we're missing opportunities, so. But I do like this wave of figures, the Ravager Thor. He looks like he should be the lead singer for Steel Tiger. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got an 80s hair metal look to him, doesn't he? Do you mean Steel Panther, Arnie? Is Which one was it in that Marky Mark movie? Steel Panther. Ah, shoot. I got the wrong Jungle Cat. That movie, Rockstar is a terribly underrated movie. It's fantastic for all the wrong reasons. No, but yeah, for me, it's this Love and Thunder wave is a dream come true because it's it's so heavy on the MCU stuff, which I love. 
And I know a lot of people draw lines between I don't like the MCU stuff and I only collect the comic stuff. And you got guys like Arnie and I who collect both. And to me, I'm always excited for the MCU stuff because it means new tooling. I mean, almost every time they put out a figure, it's going to be new tooling to match what we see on screen. So that excites me more than a repaint on a buck we've seen a hundred times. I get you. I also know that the Marvel team gets X sculpting budget per year. And wouldn't it be nice? I'm playing devil's advocate here. Wouldn't it be nice to see some of that sculpting budget spent on like new bucks and new things for comic figures? Yeah, but we've also been getting that a lot with the 80th anniversary and the 10-year anniversary and stuff like that. They've been finding ways to get those out there in new releases and then kind of being smart and re-releasing them again, like we've seen with this most recent 20-year Marvel Legends cap figure, which was a super hard-to-find or hard-to-get-your-hands-on 80th version, now repainted. So I feel like we get a good mix of that, but I I can see both ways of it. It's just, it's waves where it's like, oh... Here's the Bucky Buck again with a new head. Eh, I mean, it's cool, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be as excited as getting Ravager Thor in hand. I think a lot of it comes from a really personal place of why you collect. I mean, Star Wars started with the movies, and then there came the comic books, and then there came the TV shows and everything else, but it all started with the movies. And yet, now, because it's been 40 years 45 people can say they got into it with the tv shows and things but when it comes to marvel i feel like you know i got into it with the comics and the cartoons when i was a young kid and then watched the movies can't say i liked the movies when they starred dolph lundgren and jd salinger's son but (laughs) i was watching the movies and then the mcu was able to reignite a long-standing love Whereas I think other people come into it, you know, Marjorie, you knew Marvel characters and you knew a lot about Marvel beforehand, but Mm -hmm. it was the MCU that really made you love Marvel. Yeah. So I think where you come from matters a lot. I mean, Marjorie, let's be clear, has her own collection of Marvel Legends far and away separate from mine, and you're about 80% movie-based. That's correct, I am. And it's just not the Marvel Legends, though. I mean, I've got the Cap collection and MODOK, and MODOK covers everything, and Cap covers just about everything. Yeah. Been assorted stuff, because it's hard to find any Bucky stuff, but I'll get it when I can find it. Well, there's a new Bucky shipping right now, too, so if you don't have that one, you better hop on the order. <laughs> I guess what we're saying is, is it's a great time to be a collector, because it, you know, the Marvel team is doing stuff for all of us, you know? I mean, that's what's great about it, is we don't have to choose. We can get it all. Let me ask you, Justin, because, I mean, I've known you for so many years now, but I guess I've never asked you this question. What is it about Marvel that made you start buying Marvel figures? Well, that's a good question. Originally, with the original Legends, it was the articulation that got me in. Like, I was really impressed with how a figure could do so many different things, and You know, at at retail, you didn't see that very much. You know, figures were quite often lucky if they had knees and and ankles, but these Marvel Legends had wrists and fingers and toes and hips and all that stuff. So that and the design and the fact that it was Marvel stuff. But even back then, I was buying characters I wasn't that familiar with. The nice thing was back then they came with comics. Yeah, instant knowledge base right there for you. But yeah, I'm really jazzed for this Love and Thunder wave. 
I'd often complain if it had three Thors in the wave, but these three Thors are all so different. The gold armor, Chris Hemsworth Thor, very different from the Jane Foster Thor, very different from Ravager Thor. <laughs> yeah, over the years, we've gotten Thor in decreasingly less Thor-like appearances, you know, like first <laughs> Thor, he was all thored up with the cape and the, I don't know if he ever wore a helmet, but you know, pretty much everything but the helmet. He did remember the very first scene when he was being coronated. Ah, yes. Okay. So then he's just like slowly gotten more and more casual over the films. And, you know, with Ravager Thor, I think that's the height of casual. And then we have him in his most regal too in this, in this wave. So kind of get all bookends of him. And that's not the end. I mean, it was funny to me because Hasbro had a live stream like just a few days before the Thor figures hit pegs. They didn't mention Thor at all, even though they were being found. And they announced 60th anniversary of Spider-Man. They're going to every year is something anniversary, isn't it? They're going to find an anniversary for every year. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine with it. Like I just said a little bit earlier, it, if it gives them a reason to revisit and upgrade and make better versions of characters that have become hard to find or just have been out there for a long time, I'm I'm all for it. It's a very cool wave, I think. I'm really, I'm as excited to be getting a Ned as you were to be getting a Wong. <laughs> That's a pretty great figure. I'm so glad we're getting Ned. And that we're getting the Spider-Man head for him. I guess that was a Jesse Falcon thing, is what I'd heard in one of the Hasbro interviews. Is it was Jesse's idea to include the alternate Spider-Man mask head for Ned. Yeah, it's, it's a cool inclusion. I swear, if you see somebody walking around Comic-Con this year in that outfit with the Spider-Man mask on, 50% chance that's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I, I'll put together a, a Spider-Man look. I'll have to find a green sweater and some khaki pants and we'll cosplay together. <laughs> but it's, I mean, you talk about new sculpting. I mean, the Null figure, the Venom with those Big ass wings. <laughs> yeah, we we finally found out how Null was coming because they showed us the digital rendering rendering of Null last year at some point, and then they announced it's a two pack coming with. I guess it's the the movie version of Venom body, but repainted and with the new head and added the wings to make this awesome two pack. It's a great looking paint job on it from the preview photos. I mean, if that's the movie body, it works so well with the white spider on it and the comic head. Mm-hmm. And then a plethora of Spider-Men. I mean, I can't even keep them straight. Finally getting our Spider-Man Noir to finish off the Into the Spider-Verse set. Yep, a Target exclusive. So it's one of those you had to be kind of quick on the draw and make sure you got there when it happened. Uh, otherwise, wait for release date and hope it shows up there. Yeah, that... <sighs> exclusives. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's bad, though, that that's only at Target. The fact that they have the new lizard figure only at Walmart. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that one's gone up yet. It hasn't, as of this recording, and it looks so badass. <laughs> it's on a retro card. It is a retro figure, and it has, like, the head with the real snub nose to match his early appearances in the comic, like his first appearance. Yeah, more gecko lizard than alligator lizard. Komodo dragon, please. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't offensive. I didn't mean to offend any... Of our lizard brethren. And then 
bringing out Silk again, which was a, they announced us that I think we ordered this like four months ago, didn't we, Silk and Doc Ock? Well, we tried. I missed it. I happened to be not near a computer for that half hour window. <laughs> and I've been watching it. It's on my wish list and it just has not come back yet. So they did say that it, they plan on offering it again. But yeah, Silk and Doc Ock 2-pack is an Amazon exclusive that I blinked and I missed. What gets me is that amazing Spider-Man, amazing fantasy Spider-Man, I'm sorry, with the underarm web wings and the very dark blue black outfit with the, I guess that's all black. I'm trying to decide if those pants are like navy or black, but I think it's just all black. Yeah, it's hard to tell, and a lot of times in toy photography, they they do mess around with the saturation, so by the time you get to figure in hand, it's like, ugh, it's hard to tell. But I'm I'm guessing if I sampled the spider on his chest and the darkest part of his legs, I think it might be leaning towards a really dark blue rather than, than black. This is some sort of toy CSI going on though, with the coloring. <laughs> Josie, you need to break out your Pantone chart again. <laughs> but either way, it looks cool. And it's been, I think the Spider-Man 2099 might have had those under wings, the armpit web wings. But it's been a while since a regular Spider-Man has had those. I feel like that goes way back to Toy Biz. It really makes me wonder, like, I know it was in Amazing Fantasy 15. When did they stop drawing them? When did they bring them back? <laughs> <laughs> But these are our first real look at the plasticless packaging that has been all the discussion in the groups I'm in on Facebook. Man, is it polarizing. Yeah. Personally, I don't know what to think. I mean, it's there's quite a few figures that I do buy multiples of. If it's a really cool figure and I really want to keep one in the package, I, I will. But, I mean, now, there's I, I don't know that there's too much reason to do that. You know, if you can't see it, then just take it out and save the box if you want to. It is going to change things. I did see some when I went to Walmart and Target this week on the Thor toy run as well as on just a regular Target run. They have those little, you know, the five inch figures. Mm hmm. Arnie, you know the ones that you like that have the, is it five POA? Yeah, they're like an odd scale. Yeah, the kid ones, but they're kind of fun. Those are now in cardboard boxes with art on it. The art's kind of blah. I don't remember if those had good art at the time, but it's kind of blah. The cardboard didn't look super sturdy. So if anybody's going to be collecting these mint, I have reservations on if they're going to stay mint long because it just felt like that flimsy cardboard, not like a good heavy card stock uh, cardboard, you know? Hmm. But of course, you can't judge what they're doing with the kids line to see if that's what they'll do with the legends. But I'm guessing the cardboard is going to stay the same rigidity as what we have, which is medium, moderate. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really going to come down to the inner packaging, because what's what's being done away with is not only the the plastic, you know, window, but also the inner trays, which is, you know, unique to each figure. They have to vacuum form that shape for the figure and the accessories and the heads and the build-a-figure piece and all that. Each one of those is unique and that's that's going away and it's all going to be cardboard now. I don't know if you've ever bought one of Hasbro's Fortnite figures, but I think that's kind of a hint of to where we're heading as far as how we expect figures to show up now, which is still about the same thickness of cardboard for the outer packaging, but like doubled up and folded, like lighter weight corrugated for holding the figure. And a lot of times they're wrapped in like a tissue paper too. So all I can say is this better do really well for the environment because 
what I've read, it seems like a little bit of virtue signaling that is not going to really do much beyond make Hasbro look like a green company. Yeah, to me, it feels like over course correction. Like, I, I understand, like, even if you want to be cynical about it and say, like, hey, they're just trying to save a buck. And if that makes them look like the good guys for becoming environmentally conscious or whatever, I think there's a middle ground. You know, they have all these other toys that they sell that, you know, 100% of them that are sold are opened and the packaging is thrown away. Start cutting there. But like to jump right in feet first to go right after collectibles and say, nope, no more plastic for collectibles either. It's like, eh, I feel like we're cutting off our, our feet before we get running, you know? And lately, statements have been said during quarterly reports and things that let me know Hasbro knows that a significant portion of its base is adult collectors. There was a period in the aughts where it felt like, yeah, there's some of those grown people who buy toys, but we make them for the kids. And then there was the, well, we're going to make a few concessions for those freaky adults, like the toy <laughs> features will be accessories instead of letting them fire bolts from their face, but we're still making them for the kids. But in the latest quarterly statement, the CEO said that they were having growth in an adult collector market. So they know who they're going for. And yeah, it seems like too broad a swath. And I'm prognosticating that this can only hurt sales. Because if you're a mint on card collector, you're now a box collector. And I just remember the first time I talked to Steve Sansweeps. Biggest Star Wars collector ever, if you don't know him on the Marvel side. Guinness World Record holder for the largest Star Wars collection. And I asked him, I'm like, do you collect mint in box or do you open it? And he's like, if I don't open it, how do I know what's in the box? How do I know that I don't just have a box full of rocks? I have to open it. I like to look at the product, not look at the packaging. Well, with a window, you had the best of both worlds. Now you have a box. Yeah, and it's it's been brought up elsewhere, but it it's it's something that's going to have to be addressed. I mean, once this rolls out, it's going to be a compounding issue. I mean, we see figure swaps now that as a collector you look at it and it's right there in front of you, which are egregious. Imagine with no way of looking in the box now. How many figures you're going to get home and be like, "Oh, oh wow, this is a my little pony or something." You know, it's like <laughs> But how many do you buy in stores now? I mean, I'm almost exclusively an online order guy because I want them. And that's the way I know I'm going to get them. Yeah, I mean, me too, increasingly. But, you know, I still do the store runs. And, you know, if I if I find a figure at the store before my pre-order comes in, I'll, I'll oftentimes buy it there. But now I'm going to have to think twice. It's like, I know I have this figure coming directly from a reputable source. Or do I take the chance of paying 25 bucks and not getting the right thing when I get home? I've been buying Legends. I can't decide if I'm a mint and box collector, but in the case that I am, I've decided to have them at the ready in case I decide, oh, you know, I am mint and box, so good. I didn't open that set. So I suppose I'm a mint and box collector in denial about it, but... Oh, it, you absolutely are a mint and box collector. <laughs> I don't understand where the doubt is in this whatsoever. But I'm not going to be for these boxes. I mean, I can probably take the figure out of this box and then scotch tape this box back up and then be like, see, it's still mint in box. How would anybody know? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Wait a second. So you're going to keep the empty boxes not collapsed? I'm saying I could. And it would be the exact same as if I kept it mint in box. 
Hmm. <laughs> it's Schrodinger's action figure. <laughs> it's true, but you know, on these on these regular waves, I feel like if if given a choice, I would say, okay, fine, I'll be fine with. It. I don't like it, I don't love it, but I'll be fine on regular waves going without the plastic if that's what we need to do. But this is going to affect the other cool stuff that we've been buying, specifically for packaging the the retro carded figures with bubbles, both in six inch and three and three quarter inch. The reason I'm buying those those three inch five POA figures is not because I love the five POA figures. It's because I love the way they look on a cool card. You know, and if that's going to be affected, what are we doing? Yeah, that line's dead to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. I love the figures loose, but I mostly love that art from John Tyler Christopher on those cards with the colorful figure right there. And if you try to tell me that having cardboard picture of the figure is the same thing, no, it isn't. Nope. I mean, at that point, it might as well just be a picture of the figure on the card without the figure and just give me that. I'll hang that on my wall. Matter of fact, I'll download it and put <laughs> it out myself. <laughs> you've just given me the idea for San Diego Comic-Con Marvelicious Toys badges to hand out. <laughs> but the other thing, I'm and I'm going to go here. I haven't heard anybody else say this. Justin, you're a graphic designer, so I will defer to you, but I'll say I don't like these boxes. <laughs> I don't like the way the figure looks on the front with the art in the background that's kind of, what do you call that? Not pointillism, but the dot printing process. Yeah, just kind of giving it a comic booky pop feel. And the figure posed that way, it feels like something I'd see at Five Below. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it feels like the back of the box artwork. It does not feel like the showcase of the product you're buying. You yes. Know? For years, Star Wars comics have been doing these variant covers where it's a Star Wars vintage action figure with a, you know, rendering of a figure sitting in that bubble. Don't be mistaken. There, I own hundreds of those for Marvel, too. John Tyler Christopher went on both sides. He started with Secret Wars, and that's how he got me. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember, I think I have a Deadpool one of those somewhere, too. So it's like, yeah, they've been doing it across the board, and... That's what I was kind of envisioning when we heard about this. And like, I don't know if that would be less of a visual shock to us, because that's what we're used to seeing. You know, they could have made it look like the figure sitting through a window instead of giving us this ad. This looks like I'd be flipping through Toy Fair. And this is the whole ad is the front of this box. Yeah, I agree. It, and maybe it's the online picture. Maybe when I see it, it'll be better. Maybe that figure is spot UV that really helps it pop off of a matte background or something. Let me ask you guys a question then. How could they do it to make it plastic free and not destroy the collectability of something? It's a question without an answer. And like, I guess what we're saying here is I'm not poo-pooing or ripping on anybody who had to make these decisions from the design team on up. You know, I mean, that's, mm -mm. this is, this is an impossible task that they've been handed. And, you know, I think, I think it's one of these things that it's not going to come home to bear what mistakes they've made at the higher up levels until they start to see some of these sales drop off and be like, was it worth it? Did we really save anything other than a couple sheets of plastic? Not a tree. You're certainly killing some trees. <laughs> right. But are the trees a renewable resource that doesn't have a big carbon footprint? That's what you're looking at. And that's the difference with going plastic free and keeping the cardboard is all about the renewable resource and the carbon footprint. Sorry. 
you know what? I've done a lot of reading on this, and I'm not an expert. I've read as much as I can read about paper versus plastic. What's better? God knows. If you give me a paper straw, you're gonna make me... Don't give me a paper straw. You wouldn't like me if you give me a paper straw. And I feel <laughs> sort of the same way about paper packaging here. But I, again, yeah, it's nothing against the design team. And I do feel this packaging will evolve. Uh, this is their first time having to do it. I, I like what they did with Modoc. I feel like Modoc was the first foray into the plasticless packaging because you couldn't see the figure inside. He was all disassembled anyway. And there you got the big Modoc head that was the figure, but with all the cool lighting and things. But the focus was the figure. And here I'm looking at Amazing Fantasy Spider-Man and it's like the focus is muddy because I'm looking at a giant blue art Spider-Man more than I'm looking at the figure of Spider-Man. Yeah. Like I said, it's an impossible task because would I rather have a fully closed box with some questionable art on the front or an open box where the figure is accessible to anybody and everybody who wants to touch it and possibly pop heads off? I mean, we saw over this last year all these LeBron James heads being stolen at stores for whatever reason. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine I don't get it. open box figures being a good idea, so... Well, we did actually talk to the Hasbro team about this pretty in-depth. We were given a chance to talk again with Dwight, Ryan, and Dan, and we were asked to talk about new releases, and honestly, all my questions were, most of my questions that I had burning were about this packaging and what about the retro cards what about retro three and three quarter you know how are you going to keep that going and then yeah we had some other questions like it is a legend's 20th anniversary and so here's that interview with those guys so we are here again with dwight ryan and dan guys why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell them what you do with hasbro for those who somehow don't know <laughs> uh yeah i'm dwight i'm principal designer uh on marvel uh legends at hasbro uh i'm ryan ting I'm, I'm on the brand marketing team for marvel legends yeah and i'm dan yoon i am the hype man for ryan and dwight all things <laughs> marvel legends so thank you for talking to us again and uh loved the live stream recently a whole lot of reveals um I wanted to ask about the plastic-free packaging. I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about that. It's We knew it's been coming for a while. We'll talk about the package itself in a second, but with all the reveals you did of the Spider-Man stuff, I noticed there was no Build-A-Figure, and I wondered, are Build-A-Figure waves going away along with plastic packages, or Build-A-Figure waves still going to be coming? So first off, Arnie, thank you for dressing up for this interview, as always. I wanted to lead off with a compliment, so you can maybe <laughs> take it easy on us. Uh, but no, so to, to clarify, the items that we revealed, they were, they were part of our fall Spider-Man 60th program, very similar to um, what we did for Infinity Saga and the X-Men kind of movie stuff and Marvel 80th. So these, those are not Build-A-Figure waved items, but so they're kind of on their own. That being said, we still will have Build-A-Figures. So, and there you're going to see Build-A-Figure waves, you know, in the future, including eventually in plastic-free packaging. So, you know, rest assured, Build-A-Figure um, is is not going anywhere. Nice. Well, yeah. Let's 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 talk a little bit about the packaging. I mean, 
you guys mentioned that we're going to see them roll out on a product by product basis over the you know coming years or whatever but that makes you start thinking about the items where the packaging is part of the the collectible you know the carded figures the the retro legends the retro three and three quarter inch legends can you guys talk about if you have an exemption for those type of collectibles or is this going across the board so marvel has the uh unenviable position of going first and, and doing all these but uh in terms of the portfolio but no so like the goal set out in 2019 was for Hasbro to eliminate, you know, all plastic from packaging. And so that's going to cover all lines, you know, and, and I'll let the other brands speak to theirs, but, you know, for Marvel legends, that's, that's our standard six inch legends and the retro line. Eventually the goal for those is by 2023 is kind of the, the official start date. So you'll see it slowly rolling out this year. We we've got more closed box items coming in 2022 and, and some traditional window boxes as we, start that process um, but it's more about you know continuing to offer the characters um, that the fans want and to make those figures the best that we can in terms of all the great articulation and, and deco and things that Dwight and the team put into it um, as well as accessories and you know it, it's a trade-off ultimately it's something that I think everyone whether you love it or not I think you have to recognize that it's that it's the right thing to do from a sustainability standpoint and you know we're, we're collectors too I've kind of joked that you know, I've known about this for a long time. A lot of a lot of our fans are kind of reacting like I did, but so I've had more time to sit with this and and see all the the great ways that we're trying to make that packaging still look still look great and amazing. If you if you wanted to to keep it after you opened it, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's here to stay. It's it's rolling out shortly, and um, we'll we'll try to continue to lean into those retro and nostalgic beats, but just in a, in a slightly different way coming forward. Fair enough. And I guess kind of along those lines then. So if, if everything's going to kind of be purchased sight unseen, as it were now, you know, a lot of a lot of collectors, you know, have fantasies of standing in a filled toy aisle where you can look through multiple samples of the same character to find the best paint apps on there. And and admittedly, those type of things have gotten better over the years. I mean, you guys are really nailing it on paint apps and all that stuff. But it still comes up from time to time, Spider-Man missing a line here or there, or a wonky eye. Can you guys speak to maybe those concerns for collectors who like to stand there and pick the best sample off the shelf to take home with them? Well, I think we've, you know, we've implemented different processes over the last couple of years that have helped uh, a lot. You know, taking the photo reel um, for the faces that were just on the MCU characters and now moving that to classic characters as well. Um, I think will help uh, immensely going forward to, you know, help dial back the wonky eyes and things like that. Like you, like you stated, um, you know, we've got a lot of really, really positive reviews over the last couple of years with that, you know, change in the MCU. So there's no reason why the fans shouldn't be just as excited to see that type of up, uh, upgrade and consistency being applied to um, the, the figures itself. Um, as far as web lines and things go, you know, that stuff, you know, unfortunately that stuff ha happens from time to time, you know, sometimes, a, you know, a web lines miss for whatever reason, you know, but, you know, um, it's something that we will be keeping our eyes upon and uh, we will be, you know, we, we rip all these things open when we get our different development stages and lay them out and compare them to our paint masters, you know, multiple samples that we get in for every figure. 
So, you know, we're going to be doing our due diligence uh, constantly to make sure that whatever we finally bless at the end of the day is as close to a perfect match as what we intended all of the product to be at our paint master for everything going forward. So we're going to, you know, do our best to minimize those types of concerns. I think for a certain segment too of, of the consumers, sorry, sorry, uh, just to no. chime in there, like for, for those of us who collect certain lines, like primarily through, through e-com measures, right? Like some, some, things, some things are only available online. Like th that's almost a non-factor, like this switch. So it's not going to be perfect for everyone to adjust into your point of, you know, that, that fantasy of being in a toy aisle all alone with countless options and you get to spend as much time as you want. Like, yes, that's, that's not going to be possible in that exact same way, but, but it might not be, you know, a, as big a factor for all consumers. And it's something we just have to look at the entire, you know, uh, shopper experience globally. So one last question about packaging, we're, then we're done. <laughs> I don't want you guys to think we're harping on the packaging, but Ryan, you talk endlessly. You and Dwight kind of give each other some guff about, do you rip open the package? Do you keep it in package? And Ryan, you famously like to keep things carded as shown behind you there by and large. And a lot of collectors are like that, mint on card collectors or people like myself who buy extras when you do the retro carded figures to keep one carded, one open. Uh, without the window and not able to see the figure, uh, do, you, do you have a sense of what percentage of Legends collectors are in package? And are, do you think they'll collect less? Like Ryan, are you still gonna be an in-package collector if you can't see the figure? I, mean, I think we're we're about to find out. Uh, this is this is new territory for all of us. Um, I don't know. That's a good that's a good question. I think for for me, collecting it and keeping it kind of pristine in box. I don't have infinite display space, so I have tons of window box figures that are in bins in boxes in the closet that I never actually see on a daily basis. But my like weirdo neurotic um, collecting habits, I just know that I have kind of a figure that's in there that is going to be complete, that is going to, you know, still be in good condition, uh, the figure itself, and then also the packaging if I, if I wanted to. So I don't know, I'm, I'm still kind of, kind of coming to terms with it. You know, that being said, we are looking at, at interesting ways to make, make the item look nice. And uh, if we have the ability on special Comic-Con exclusive type items, convention exclusive, retailer exclusives, like we're trying different, different options, you know, knowing that the guardrails are no, that have been set before us for good reason is no plastic. How can we then take that and, and offer varied kind of approaches to it? I think Ryan it depends has on the a problem. Of... He's going to buy more than one. So I, <laughs> he's, he's trying to be diplomatic, but he's going to buy multiples. I'm pretty sure. I think it depends on what you're, what you want to accomplish about how to keep and stuff in package too, right? You know, it's like if you're a guy who buys one in package and, and has it kept that way for, or resale down the line in the future, you know, it's going to hold its value just like any other thing would, right? You know, it's like you rip, you rip something out of a box. It's not as valuable as it is if it was in the box. So, you know, those types of mental things are still going to be consistent across either way of looking at it, you know? Um, and I do know our, uh, our um, creative services team is all, like Ryan said, is always working on, you know, what can we do differently going forward for special items? So, you know, we're definitely going to, we have a whole new uh, canvas to explore and we're excited to see what we can do with that to make it, you know, special and awesome going forward, uh, even more than 
the 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 current uh, plastic free packaging that we're you know very proud of already. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for speaking to that. I know it's of concern and discussion among a lot of collectors. So on a totally different topic, congratulations on 20 years of Marvel Legends. And just uh, for each of you, looking back over the decades of figures, whether you know you were a collector or working on the lines, can you discuss something you consider a high point? Uh, Dan, start with you. You've been kind of quiet over there. Uh, yeah, um, so I'm, I'm the, the newest within the team, right? So I don't have the same amount of decades of experience as, uh, you know, Ryan and Dwight and others on the team have. Um, so I have a lot of recency bias, unfortunately. Um, a high part for me, though, was um, doing the HasLab Galactus, right, which broke our Sentinel record for HasLab. Um, it, it was really cool to see fans like backing it the last like couple of hours too and seeing those numbers jump and it was just genuinely like in our in our business we love it right we love being part of marvel legends but it was genuinely one of the few moments where you know i could call dwight or ryan and or text everybody in our text group group chat to be like man we we're killing it like you know what i mean we're like the fans are supporting us you know it's like directly seeing what the fans um how much they wanted and seeing how much like support that they had for it. And just to see the community come together at the end to uh, support it. Um, I felt like personally, it was a very big high watermark for us. That's me. Awesome. Ryan, what about you? So, yeah, I, I'll say there've been a couple of times where we've been able to do new things, whether it was from a marketing standpoint or like a new expression. So just really quickly, things like, right, vehicles in six inch were, were a big kind of win in my book to get off the ground with Ghost Rider to start. And that, event, that eventually got us to Professor X, Cosmic Ghost Rider, a bunch of motorcycle characters um, and more to come maybe. But uh, that that was fun. And then like, you know, these, these annual programs. So the very first one was in 2018, the Marvel Studios, the first 10 years. I remember we were sitting in a conference room and then someone said, hey, do you know that next year is gonna be the Marvel celebrating the first 10 years? And then someone else said, no, but we'll do something about it. And I looked around and we had no plans to, we had to figure out how to do that, right? Up until that point, it was just build a figure waves and a couple of store exclusives a year. And it's like, whoa, how do we do this, you know, big marketable program? And now it's become just this, beat that we are very familiar with every year. And this lets us kind of go back and do things like X-Men or tap into what Marvel is celebrating that year, like Spider-Man. And then the last thing I'll say is just something that I kind of came on in the very early stages of was when we started doing the premium role play items, which isn't six inch characters, but it's something I think I see some in your case behind you, Arnie, but that's just been really fun too, because it's like a whole new kind of consumer segment um, a very different way to interact with the product, um, but we've had a lot of iconic things, you know, a lot of gauntlets, a lot of helmets. The Eye of Agamotto is super, super fun, and I, and I think people are going to really like it uh, when Doctor Strange comes back into the forefront of all of our minds. But um, yeah, that's just something, a cool segment that is smaller than figures, but uh, it, it keeps our creative kind of juices flowing there on what we can do next and how we can bring those really big screen things to life there. Yeah. For, for me, I want to just say Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, the, the three uh, the Hugh Wolverines. But uh, I think I can go a little bit bigger than that. Um, I think for me, it would be 2012. It would be the return of Legends with our Thor in the Mjolnir for Comic-Con. 
and then the all new base bodies of Bucky Cap, Hyperion, and Silk. Um, that those those three characters set the uh, foundation for everything that we've built since then. And you know, since that point to where we're at today, Legends has exploded from being a you know uh, awesome collectible figure line into a massive contender. All right, so we had a little bit of a technical glitch. Thanks, Next Link Internet. I dropped the call. <laughs> but Justin, you were still there. We pretty much were ending that question. It got cut off a little bit, but Dwight had pretty much finished what he was saying. And I love their answer about what the best thing they've done in 20 years is. I have to agree with Ryan. I love those motorcycles. Yeah. That was a great answer. And yeah, I mean, the cutoff was unfortunate, but we really didn't miss much after that. You know, we kind of kind of wrapped up the call and stuff like that. So I know it ends kind of abruptly there, but just ends up being salutations after that. So don't feel like you missed too much, though. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan, Dwight, Ryan, everybody at Hasbro, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. It is always a pleasure. Hope to see them at Comic-Con. Yep. See, it's almost like you were there. That's exactly what I said to them. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there was another interview that they did. Dan wasn't there, but Jesse Falcon over on the Disney side, Disney licensing, was with Dwight and Ryan on the official Marvel podcast. And that is definitely worth a listen. I always like it when it feels like there's bigger announcements saved for some of the official channels. Plus, I like some of the behind the scenes stuff. But Dwight teased some beautiful, big, thick boys coming our way. <laughs> That was an interesting tease. Maybe they're making a line of corgis or something. <laughs> I'm really wondering what that could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we already, we already got the wrecking crew, but do they feel like they're ready for an upgrade already? The other thing they confirmed, I don't know that this is a shock, there will be a HasLab in 2022. It's hard to believe that it was 2021 with Galactus. It literally feels like Galactus just happened. I know. Yeah, it kind of does. And we're about halfway there, too. I mean, we should probably start seeing some more updates and stuff. Like, you know, I think we're expecting them in the fall, right? Late August, early September is kind of the, the shoot for date. Yeah, and I imagine that's when they'll launch the new one. Nice. I didn't even realize we hadn't gotten Galactus yet because all the Sentinels showed up and I just assumed one of those trickled in was Galactus. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> What do you think it could be? I think based on our interview we did with Dwight late last year, and of course the other guys were there, but Dwight gave an answer about how he wanted to do a bigger than ever Fing Fang Foom. And I'm like, the way he talked about it, the way that he discussed design considerations, like it was more than an off the top of his head answer to a question. Somebody somewhere has rendered something. There, like, I wonder if there was a room where they're like, Galactus, Fin Fang Foom, Galactus, Fin let's do Galactus this time and we save Fin Fang Foom. Yeah. I feel that Fing Fang Foom really is due somewhere because for the last few years, it's always been speculated about Fing Fang Foom all the way down to the Shang-Chi movie where people thought the dragon in the poster was going to be this great appearance of Fing Fang Foom. I think Fing Fang Foom is, is due. Yeah. And, and and it's still relevant. I mean, they have they have to be aware of the, 
you know, the after party market on it. And they have to know that there's bootlegs out there and all that stuff. And if people are willing to throw down three, four hundred bucks for this old of a build, build a figure and even bootlegs are up there, there's, there's a market there for a HasLab on something like this. I mean, I know that I really did think when they did Galactus that they were going to do a fantastic car. And I think, you know, having a diorama piece would be cool, but not as cool as a big figure. I think a big figure's still the way to go, unless they decided to go really nuts and do a Danger Room playset. I can't decide what other playsets you could do. Avengers Mansion would be a little bit dull, but if you did an X-Men Danger Room with the buzz saws and everything and some laser effects that would allow everybody an instant X-Men diorama, that would be kick-ass. But I think as long as there are giant figures of major relevance out there to be made, that's where HasLabs live and breathe. I mean, like Dan said during the Q&A we just had with them, Galactus, most successful HasLab ever, beating the Sentinel. I mean, this is showing people want this. Mm-hmm. And I think you nailed it. Like, I don't think they're going to mess around with the formula knowing that, like, at least on the Hasbro, on the Marvel side, that we're in for big figures. We're going to back a big figure that we know we're not going to get at retail or as a build-a-figure or anything like that. So, yeah, stick with that formula. Once we run out of super giant figures to do, then yeah, maybe we start talking about maybe some vehicles or some play sets. But for now, a big figure is an easier sell than like, where am I going to put a Quinjet? You know, a six a six scale Quinjet has got to be bigger than the Millennium Falcon. God, that would be so big. Or a Milano, you know, I would love a six scale Milano. There's a reason why they started making figures like one inch tall when Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> came out. Right. <laughs> I mean, I bought those just as a vehicle line. I mean, the fact that it came with these like unarticulated train station people, if you ever built <laughs> train models back in the day, that's yeah. kind of what those Guardians figures were like. <laughs> Now, after the interview, one other thing did come out, which is a little bit interesting. There is a new line of Marvel Legends, Legends Legacy, and they went up for pre-order the first wave. They're bringing back out a bunch of the Black Panther characters, which makes sense because Wakanda Forever coming out in November. I'm sure we're going to have trailers by the time Love and Thunder hits midsummer, And so in August, Black Panther, Shuri, Nakia and Killmonger are going to be back on pegs in this Legacy collection, but it's not a straight re-release. It's kind of a re-release, but there's no Build-A-Figure, and, like, they're mixed up. Like, Yeah, these have all been released before, and I think they all have paint upgrades to them now. And it, it kind of reminds me of, I never bought them, but I know Arnie, you chased it down a few times. Kind of reminds me of those overseas waves that they released, kind of those all-stars where they picked figures from different waves and put them all in another wave without a build-a-figure and put them out there. Yep, yep, that's true. I hadn't put that together. That is a lot what this feels like, bringing it stateside. Yeah, and also kind of, you know, taking a cue from the Star Wars side where they have their archive line where it's a re-release of a figure that was out before, maybe some subtle paint upgrades, but... Yeah, I mean, this is cool, and I'll probably fall for it and pick up figures that I already own with slightly better paint apps. Is this any different than, like, when they re-release a figure in a box set and do a paint change, you know? Like, we got the Kingpin Build-A-Figure, and then we got the Kingpin in the deluxe set with a different outfit. Is it... 
I mean, is this line skippable, is I suppose my question. Or is this line a worthwhile figure upgrade? Hmm, I think that's a good question. And I think if we weren't completionists and we just kind of bought what we needed, I feel like this line would be great to pick and choose. You know what I'm saying? It's like, do I want a new Nakia with more accurate boots and maybe a little bit better of a face paint on it? Sure. I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily need it, but eh, if I saw it at the store, I might pick it up. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I have enough Black Panthers and stuff and I'll have to wait and see how they, they look with new paint apps on it. But the Killmonger has a different paint to it that I've seen in some of the close-ups where that, if you have it standing next to the original one, they're going to look different. So that might kind of drive a little OCD craziness to pick it up. I mean, and plus that's the Killmonger from the two-pack, but with the unmasked head. I mean, they're kind of kit-bashing with paint upgrades. I mean, we're not talking new sculpting, but we're talking... If these came out as, like, a Black Panther 5th anniversary wave, if they came out in 2023 and came in two-packs, I think we'd all be like, oh, I gotta have those. But because they're coming out individually as Legacy, and they were just kind of released and not announced, it does feel like re-releases where the upgrades are being sort of downplayed. Yeah, and I think they, they kind of say it, and it's, you know, it's aimed at collectors who weren't collecting when this line came out. So, hey, here's a chance to get caught up because they know that Black Panther hype is going to be big about this time in next, this year. So, you know, maybe they're, they're getting a... A poker in the fire before the secondary market goes crazy with that hype, you know? But that's always what happens. You wait till trailers start coming out and people start selling off their old figures. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather get upgraded figures than see resellers make tons of money. But I also, I've asked the guys quite a bit about figure re-releases from time to time about some of these expensive figures. I know when we get the archive line or some of the carry forward figures in the vintage collection of Star Wars, they're often the hardest to find, i.e. most expensive on eBay figures. Some of the ones people are obviously wanting most if they're paying that much. I do think there's a lot of opportunities here to revisit some of the figures from years past as new movies come out. I mean, I don't know if I need yet another release of Groot when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out. I mean, we had him as the Toys R Us exclusive and the Build-A-Figure. and Yeah, but no, there are there are opportunities there because, I mean, they could release Mantis, you know, who was previously a Build-A-Figure, which means a lot of people didn't finish her, you know? And I know Yondu is a very sought-after figure. So there's, there's characters there that they could say, hey, let's, you know, get them back out there for those that missed them and... I think, I think this is a good trend, you know? I think it, all it really does is stick a, a thorn in the side of resellers, which, fine, you know? I mean, that's neither here nor there. If you've been collecting, you don't need to don't need to pay attention to them, and if you're new, you don't have to overpay inflated prices. But as you mentioned, exclusives. M'Baku, who I need to rewatch Black Panther before Wakanda Forever, but I just love M'Baku in that movie. <laughs> And he is a Target exclusive. And he was a Build-A-Figure before. Yeah, yep. Which, you know, when, when Build-A-Figures are regular size figures, you got to see that happening at some point, right? I mean, we've seen it with other Build-A-Figures. Like, you could buy Ant-Man for 
25 bucks last year, you know, in his own release after him being a Build-A-Figure. This isn't unprecedented, but making it a an exclusive is where I kind of question it. It's like, if this is going to be a wave, just make it a wave. And then there's going to be another Black Panther figure exclusive to Walmart. It, it, not just Black Panther the movie, but Black Panther the character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if this was, just like I said, a, a case with all six of these available to order and not have to worry about it. But uh, as it is now, it looks like the case that's coming out that you can order is four characters that are going to be available anywhere, doubled up on the Killmonger and Black Panther. And then you got to go chase down the Target and Walmart exclusives. You know, it's like somebody was sitting around saying, we don't release enough Legends a year. A hundred? Aw, we can up that number. Let's bring some back out and paint upgrade them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a bad idea, but like I, it can drive a completionist crazy. So maybe this will break some folks of feeling like they have to buy everything that gets put out. <laughs> but... Now I just picture my own face on the cover of Mad Magazine. What, me worry? <laughs> well, there's no lack of things to look forward to or things to take swipes at our wallet in the future, so that's the good thing. We may have been off the air for a while, but man oh man, Legends has not stopped. And honestly, still, even though it's been several months, like Marjorie said, the Sentinels came and darkened our doorway for quite some time, I'm still playing with mine. I don't know about you, Justin. I'm, like, posing it all the time. And Oh, I'm always playing with I mean, Oh, we're still talking about the Sentinel? What? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, he. I, I still haven't found a permanent home for my, my one open Sentinel, you know? So he just kind of sits in the corner of my office propped against the wall and every once in a while I bring him over and mess around with him but eventually I'm gonna have to find a shelf or something to to make him feel right at home at I've got him in a detal from Ikea with the adjustable shelves so I could make it tall enough nice but despite being slightly older I definitely think that's a figure that deserves an in-depth discussion and we've already recorded it, so you don't have to worry about us saying our next episode's a Sentinel review and it not coming. It's done. We have reviewed the Sentinel, and you will be able to hear that in a couple of weeks. Nice. And then we will be back looking at some of the other legends. I don't know. Are we going to talk Love and Thunder? Are we going to talk 20th Anniversary? Are we going to talk X-Men Animated? So much is shipping right now. I just got my Jubilee from Disney Shop. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't got mine yet, but yeah, there's so much stuff coming out. So yeah, I suppose we'll have to, we'll surprise them with what we decide to, to talk about on that next one. But we'll, we'll pick one of these current waves and get them reviewed for you on the next Marvelicious Toys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website. MarveliciousToys.com You can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for collectibles, and read articles on Marvel movies, comics, and collecting. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at MarveliciousToys.com. We want your feedback. You can email us at show at MarveliciousToys.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
find all those links at our website. If you want to hear reviews of every movie ever based on Marvel Comics, check out those reviews and hundreds more on the Now Playing Podcast at nowplayingpodcast.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Video editing by Andrew. Graphic design by Justin. Photo editing by Jeff and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. I had a friend in Hollywood who does ADA work, not like advanced disability, but like the automatic dialogue replacement. Oh, that's ADR. I have a friend in Hollywood who does A. <laughs> oh, Arnie. He pushes people in wheelchairs. <laughs> I mean, not for a job or anything. It's just a hobby he does on the side. <laughs> Aggressive good deeds. <laughs> <laughs>